Welcome to the Legacy Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info. Well, guys, good morning again. Uh, we're so glad to be here. It's the day after Christmas, if you weren't aware of that, which I suspect most of us are at this point. Um, but I'm incredibly thankful that we get to be here together today. Man, how awesome it is to, after we've been celebrating all the past week or so, and now we get to come together and celebrate again. So um, today's going to be the conclusion of our series we've been doing on Christmas. And man, I don't know about you, it's been so good. Um, every service I've got to be in here for, it was amazing. Uh, when you look through the Christmas story, we, we see so many examples of the things we've talked about already. We see hope. Uh, we see peace, we see love, and it's incredible. Um, and looking to the Christmas story, something we're going to talk about today, like you saw in the video, is we're going to talk about joy, because joy is just all throughout the entire Christmas, uh, the Christmas story. Uh, we see it in the beginning, uh, when, the, when the angel Gabriel first appears to Mary to tell her, to tell her what's about to happen. In Luke 1, and verse 26, it says, During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. So Gabriel appeared to her and said, Rejoice, beloved young woman, for the Lord is with you, and you are anointed with great favor. So Gabriel tells her to rejoice. He says, hey, I'm getting ready to tell you something that's going to make you rejoice when I tell this thing to you. The news of Jesus coming was something to have joy about. That's what he's telling her. Ever since Adam and Eve had, had allowed sin to enter into humanity, like there had been this separation between us and God. Like certain people could kind of, kind of come in and experience God's presence to a degree, but their sin had caused a separation between us and God. And, he's, and Gabriel's saying, hey, there's something to get ready to change about that where every single one of us can have this close and personal, intimate relationship with God. This thing that he originally created us for in the first place, he said God's bringing that back again. And that's something to bring joy about right there, that we actually get to have this kind of relationship relationship with God. And that's a reason for great joy. We're talking about joy this morning. Uh, the joy from Jesus was so tangible that it even affected babies in the womb, like as far as how, how tangible that anointing was on him. Uh, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, who's pregnant uh, with John the Baptist. And the moment that Mary walks in the house, Elizabeth starts to prophesy. And I want to read part of her prophecy here. In Luke 1.42, it says, with a loud voice, she prophesied with power. So this is, this is going to be something good here. She says, Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others, for your child is destined to bring God great delight. Man, that's a pretty good prophecy right there. It goes on to say, how did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? The moment you came in the door and greeted me, my baby danced within me, danced, danced, danced inside me with joy. So the, the Jesus coming into the room, even as a baby in the womb, caused her baby in her womb to start dancing for joy. Something about when we get around Jesus, there's just a joy that comes with that. It goes on to say, great favor rests upon you, for you have believed every word spoken, spoken to you from the Lord. So the anointing on Jesus was so tangible, even as a baby, that affected people around him. That's how tangible the anointing of joy was on him. If you need some joy in your life, man, it's time to spend some time with Jesus. If you're not spending time, if you need some joy, it's time to recognize, hey, wait a second, what I'm doing now isn't working. I need to start spending some time with Jesus and allow that joy come onto me. Uh, we need to prioritize it. We need to make it, make it a priority if we're not experiencing joy that, hey, I need to spend some time with God right now until I can get that joy that he has for me. You know, we're starting to see a pattern uh, develop here connecting Jesus with joy. And let's jump, jump ahead to right after Jesus was born. In uh, Luke 2 and verse 8, it says, That night... In a field near Bethlehem, this is where the shepherds are watching the sheep there. It says shepherds were watching over their flocks. 
Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified because they had never seen anything like this before. It says, but the angel reassured them saying, don't be afraid for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. So this is really good news. And it is for everyone everywhere. So that says Jesus is the most joyous news that the world has ever heard. Our Savior, our Redeemer, our Prince of Peace is coming, and He's coming for us. How awesome is that? Um, that's, that's not just something that we're excited about, that, we were, that they were excited about. Um, that's something that filled God with joy, too. He got excited about this. Like, this is, this is you know, as, as happy and excited as we are that this happened, He was even more excited. Let's keep reading. In verse 11, it says, For today in Bethlehem a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You'll recognize him by this miraculous sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in the feeding trough. Then all at once in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest uh, realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. So all throughout the Bible, angels are messengers. They're basically conveying, they're conveying God's will, conveying what God wants us to know. And we see here in this instance that basically they deliver the message about Jesus coming and all of a sudden the entire sky just explodes with angels or everywhere. Why did that happen? Why did the sky just explode with angels basically praising and glorifying God? Because they were communicating the same joy and the excitement that God was experiencing in that moment. He was so excited that after being separated from us for so long, that the things are going into motion now where he gets to win us back. He gets to have that relationship with us again. And they were so excited that God was like, okay, all you guys go. Just fill up the sky and just start praising, praising me because something exciting is happening right now. He is so filled with joy in this moment um, because of what Jesus was about to do for us. And that's awesome right there. Um, that joy continued as the, wide men, as the wise men made their way to see Jesus. In Matthew 2 and verse 10, it says, And when they saw the star... They were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Unrestrained joy. That's the kind of joy you can't hold back. Like you're so excited, you can't even contain it. You're dancing around, you're excited. People can look at you and see it because it's, it's like you just can't hold this joy back. It's a good thing. It says, when they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they fell to the ground at his feet and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they had unrestrained joy. How many of you guys want some unrestrained joy? Like you're so, so much joy that you can't hold that mess back anymore. That's what God wants you to have. Um, that's, that's so much joy in any circumstance that no circumstance and no situation can rob you of that joy because it's so real to you that nothing can, can take it from you. That's the kind of joy God wants us to have. He wants us to have that. Henry Ford, we, we quoted some scripture. Let's go back and, and quote Henry Ford now. Um, he said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So if you're in a position right now where you're not experiencing that kind of joy, it's time to take a look at your life and say, okay, what am I doing that's preventing that joy from me to my life? Or what do I need to do to start adding that joy in there? How am I spending the time with God that I need to spend with him? You know, we need to start asking ourselves those questions because if we don't have this joy now, that means there's something in us or something that we're doing that needs to change so we can access that joy on a daily basis. God wants us to have that. You know, we could, if we're being real, every one of us here could probably like make a circle of chairs and we could sit around and talk about how tough life is. Like all of us have those things. All of us have been through things where we could talk about how, how hard things are and all the reasons we have not to be in joy. We could do that. Every one of us here could do that. I could, I could stand up here and do that. But we have to ask ourselves, has being sad, has, being, has feeling down ever helped anything? I know that's something we all deal with. That's something we all go through. But ultimately, when we're focused on those things that are stealing our joy from us, does that, does that actually help us in any way? 
And I think the truth is it, it doesn't. It just kind of keeps us stuck in this place where we just feel down and we just can't break out of that. And God's saying, I want you free from that. I want you to have the joy that I have for you no matter what situation you're faced with. That's God's desire for us. Even in the middle of the worst situation we've ever experienced, uh, we can still have the joy of the Lord. That's part of what he wants us to have as his kids. Um, this is a word for all of us right now. He wants us to have this joy. In a Nehemiah 8 and verse 10 I'm going to read the second part of the scripture here, but it says, don't be dejected and sad. So that means it's time for the sadness to be over. It's time for feeling dejected to be over. It's time for depression to be over. I encourage you, if you're experiencing that right now, don't leave here with that today. This is a message that'll set you free from that if you want it. So, and then it goes on to say, it says, because for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that means right there in the middle of your worst day, the worst day you've ever experienced, God says, I have a joy for you that'll strengthen you and empower you to get through that situation and not just get through it, but actually get through it with joy in the middle of the whole thing. God wants us to have that. Um, we all go through situations where we're, we're walking in that joy and then something tries to rob us of that joy. And I want to tell you this morning, that doesn't have to happen. We can choose what we're going to focus on and not give into that and walk in joy no matter what. So this morning, um, that was just a warm up. How was that? So this morning, I want, to, I want to give you three truths um, about where joy comes from, and I want to give you three ways we can actually live it on a daily basis. Because um, I want to encourage you that when we leave here today, to leave here with the joy that God has for us, and don't let anything take it from you again, because man, God wants us to have that joy. So the first place that joy comes from is number one, knowing that God has a plan for my life. Joy comes from knowing that God has a plan for my life. Um, that means that real joy comes from knowing that even on a bad day, that God still has a good plan for me. It's important that we know that. If we don't know how God made us, if we don't know why God made us and, and what he did for us, what he has for us to do, everything else in our, in our lives will start to define our lives. If we're not focused on God and what he's called us to do, the circumstances around us will start to define who we are. And that's a problem because not everything that comes up in life is a good thing. Not everything that comes up in life is something that would cause us to have joy. And if we're more focused on that than we are on what God's called us to do, then it's going to get us off course. It's going to get us distracted. We're going to lose that joy that God has for us. Um, in fact, life can be pretty bad at times. I, I think we all know that. But if we know who we are and we know that God has a plan, it really doesn't matter what life throws at us because we know that God has a plan. No matter what we're in right now, God has a plan for us. Um, too many of us are living lives that are defined by the pain that we've been through, um, by the hurt that we've been through, by the situations that we've lived through. Our lives are defined by these things that have happened to us. And God said, I want you to get your focus off of those things and get your focus on what I've called you to do about the amazing good plan that I have for your future. That's what God wants us to focus on. We all have those things. We all have those things that we can choose to focus on that'll drag us down and get us down. But God's saying, hey, focus on the purpose that I have for you because I got something good for you. If you'll just get your attention off of that and focus on me. Uh, think about Jesus um, during one of the worst moments of his life. Uh, when he was in the process of being put on trial and being crucified, you know, he had some reasons to distract him. He had some reasons to not have joy. And yet Hebrews 12, too, tells us how he approached that whole scenario. He says, we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. This is his example. This is his example for us. It said, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. So while he was being crucified, it said he was focused on the joy of knowing that you would belong to him, that he'd get to have a relationship with you. He was focused on that joy. It says he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. 
So basically, in this, in this moment, he was faced with t- torture unlike anything that any of us have ever experienced before. I mean, his body was literally ripped apart. And as he was doing that, it said he actually faced it with joy because he was looking ahead through the future and he was seeing you and me. He was seeing us. He, was see- he knew that what he was doing, he was doing for us. And that gave him joy because of that. He had a plan for it. He, pl- he knew his plan. He knew his purpose. And that gave him joy in the midst of a really awful situation. And get- that'll give us the same joy too when we know what our plan is. Um, God will, God will, we can have joy in the midst of it. It's available to us. I want everybody here to be so sure about who you are and the plan that God has for you that you can have that joy no matter what life throws at you. Um, that's why David said in Psalm 16 and verse 5, He said, Yahweh, or you could say, Lord. He said, you alone are my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. Or you could say, hey, God, you're everything that I need. That's what he's saying right there. He said, you hold my destiny and its timing in your hands. Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you. So joy comes from knowing that you're where God wants you to be and you're doing what he's called you to do. Joy comes when you know that. It goes on to say in verse 7, it says, The way you counsel me makes me praise you more, for your whispers in the night give, give me wisdom. Show me what to do next. Because I set you, Yahweh, always close to me, my confidence will never be weakened, for I experience your wraparound presence every moment. Man, his presence is always around us. Joy comes when we have wisdom and direction about the steps we're supposed to take in life. Even when we're faced with circumstances that are designed to get us off track, that are designed to shake our confidence, God's saying, if you don't get distracted by those things and stay focused on me and the plan that I have for you, you can have joy no matter what life throws at you. That's what God wants for us. It goes on to say in verse 9, it says, My heart and soul explode with joy, full of glory. Even my body will rest confident and secure. So that joy of knowing who we are and who God is will help us even sleep better at night. That says it'll help us rest confident. It means we can lay down at nighttime instead of all the thoughts racing and driving us crazy and keeping us up. We can say, God, I know who I am. I know you have a plan for me. Even though I don't see the way out of this mess right now, I know you have a plan for me, so I'm gonna rest well tonight. I'm gonna sleep well tonight. God wants us to have that. All because we know that God has a plan no matter what life throws at us. In uh, verse 10, It says, for you will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you allow your faithful one to experience corruption. Because of you, I know the path of life. So if we don't know, if we don't know our path, if we don't know what God has for us, um, it's going to be very difficult to experience that joy on a daily basis. But God has something amazing for us. It goes on to say, as I taste the fullness of God in your presence, at your right side, I experience divine pleasures forevermore. So we can, we can experience that joy in life no matter what comes up because we had that joy on the inside of us that comes from God and that'll sustain us through anything life throws at us. You know, even, even I'll use this morning as an example. You know, I knew, I've known for weeks now that I was preaching on joy this morning. Pastor Brett asked me a few weeks ago. And so I was coming to church this morning and I had to get gas in my car. So I pulled off at the gas station and I put my card in there and it popped up and said, card declined. I was like, I know this is a good card. I know I got lots of money in there available, but it said card declined. So I was like, okay, let's try this again. So I back everything out and tried again. It said card declined again. I was like, well, this is a strange way to start a morning off that I'm getting ready to preach on joy that my card got declined. So, so anyway, so I, I, I use a different card. And I'm driving, driving to the church from the gas station and I call it call my card company, and they say, everything's good. It must be something with their equipment. So, okay, everything's resolved there and good. And then I get here for church service. I'm getting everything set up, and it's all good, and I'm excited, and I can sense the anointing of God, and it's good. And then I get my notes on my iPad and go to pull them up and realize last night when I put my notes on here, I put the wrong notes on here. 
So I don't even have my notes that I'm supposed to minister on this morning. Thankfully, I got rescued from that too. But anyways, so this morning, there were lots of things that could have distracted me uh, from, from the fact that I, I was here to preach on joy this morning. But I know that God had that as a plan, and I could have chosen to focus on, man, my car got declined, my day is ruined now. I'm just, you know, I could have gone, given into that and had my day ruined by that because I was focused on the fact that God has a plan for this morning. That stuff doesn't faze me because I know that God's going to work these things out. So when we stay aware of the plan, we can have joy no matter what life throws at us. Even on a Sunday morning, driving to church when your car gets declined. You know, you can have joy in the midst of that. So the second thing, joy comes from knowing that God will work it out. That ties right in there. That means that even when it appears that God's plan um, has been interrupted, uh, we're confident that God's going to work it out. Because there are those moments like, okay, God, I wasn't expecting that. Where'd that come from? And he's saying, hey, if you'll just stay focused on me and that plan, he said, I'm going to work these things out. Just stay focused on me. Um, even when it looks like thing, it's not working out, God has a plan to work it out in a way that you're going to like it. If we'll just stay focused on him. Um, that's why First Peter said in First Peter 1.8, he said, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. I like inexpressible joy. I like, you know, those moments where you're so full of joy that you can't really find the words to express how you're feeling in that moment. Like you just look happy and people can't tell why. You look goofy almost. It's inexpressible joy. Um, that's so much joy that you just can't even, you like, I just know I have this, but I don't know how to talk about it because I'm like, it's like so full of joy right now. You've got joy when it makes no sense to have joy. That's what God wants us to have. Um, God fills us with joy when we choose to love and trust him, even in the moments where it seems like he's not there. That's when, that's when he fills us with that joy. You know, a few years back, I was, I was in a situation where I was looking for a job, and I wasn't really finding that one that just felt right. Like, I had multiple job opportunities presented to me, and uh, every, time I, every time they would call me and say, hey, the job's yours if you want it, I just wouldn't have any peace about it. And I just had zero peace whatsoever. And, and through that whole process, um, I just trusted God that he was going to work it out. I, knew, I was like, God, I know you're going to work this thing out because you always do. I have so much experience in my life of him working out that I knew he was going to. Um, so while I was going through that process, someone actually presented me with the idea of, hey, you should be a substitute teacher for a while. And um, I just immediately, I was like, that's what I need to do. And, and it was funny because anybody who's ever been a substitute teacher, like I know a couple of you guys in here have, financially, it makes zero sense to be a substitute teacher because they pay you absolutely nothing for doing that. Um, but it's like, this is exactly what I need to do. I just have so much peace about it. So, so I, I actually did that for a year, making terrible money, but I did it for a year because I felt like this is where God wanted me. And I approached it with joy. Like literally, I had so much fun as a substitute teacher. Like I looked forward to the days I got to go in there and interact with the kids and the staff, and I just had a good time. Um, I, I, I had a kid ask me one time, and she said, are you a fun sub? Are you a fun substitute teacher? And my response to that all the time was, well, it really depends on you. I said, depending on how y'all treat me, this can be the most fun you've ever had in class, or this can be the worst class you've ever had. It all depends on you. But anyways, I, I had a lot of fun while I was doing that. And just because I approached, I approached that with joy, because I, I knew God was working something out, even though I didn't know what it was, it was after doing that for a year that I was sitting at home one day, and the principal of the school I work at now called me and said, hey, I have a job for you. Would you like this? And I said, actually, no, I wouldn't, but I would be interested in the teaching position. And she said, well, let me call you right back. And she called me within 30 minutes and said, you have an interview for a teaching position. And that's the teaching position that I have right now. 
um, working at the school there. And that happened because even in the midst of situ a situation where not everything made sense to me at the time, I continued to trust God like, God, I know you got a plan for me. I know you're going to work this out. So I'm just going to have joy and enjoy this moment that I'm in right now because I know you're working something out on my behalf there. And that's how we need to handle situations. Even if we don't know why we are where we are and we don't know what's coming up next, we can have joy knowing, hey, I know because I know my God, because I know I'm one of his kids, I know he's working things out on my behalf. And there's a peace that comes, there's a joy that comes when we do that. Uh, people of joy know that even in the worst situations, God has a plan. He's working something out for us. Um, joy is confidence that, that God is going to work it out as we continue to pursue his plan for our lives. So our third thing, joy comes when I choose joy. It's up to us to actually choose joy. Um, we've got to pursue joy. The Bible doesn't describe joy as something that just consumes us. It describes us as something that we have to choose. We have to, have to actually have to choose joy. We have to wake up and say, I know it's raining today, um, but I'm going to have a good day even though it's raining. We have to wake up. Uh, I, know, I know it looks bad. I know the situation looks ugly, but I'm going to choose to focus on what's good in the midst of this situation. That's what we've got to do. In a Philippians 4, in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So we have to make the decision that we're going to rejoice. And re, the word, it starts with joyce. It starts with the word R-E. R-E means do it again. Um, that means we're going to have to choose joy over and over and over again. We're going to be faced with opportunities where we can choose joy or we can choose something else. And every single time we're presented with that choice, we have to make the decision, I'm going to choose joy in this situation. It's up to us to do that. You know, I, I, think, I, I think I've heard some rumors that Ash talked about this some last week. But have you ever been in just an, an amazing church service and you're just filled with joy? It's just awesome. You're having such an amazing time. And then you, you start driving home. You got your wife, you got your kids. And like the moment you get in the car and shut the door, the kids start fighting in the back seat. You know, it's just chaos back there. They're fighting about who knows what, who gets the tablet or whatever it is. And then because of them fighting, you look over at your spouse and you just get mad at them all of a sudden too. And the two of you are fighting, trying to figure out where you're going out to eat or just, you know, it's just, it's just chaos in the car. Here I was at church experiencing this amazing service and now it's just joy. Now it's just, now it's just chaos. It's stress. What, what, you know, in moments like that, we have to choose to rejoice. Even though we had that joy just a few minutes ago, we have to make the decision that I'm going to choose joy again, even though I'm not feeling it right now. Even though I want to jump head first into this fight we're having, I'm going to back up from that and we're going to choose joy right here. Um, there's, a, there's a reason that Paul wrote for us to rejoice twice in such a short little scripture. Um, he knew that we'd have to be reminded of this a whole bunch because we're, we're people and we deal with stuff. So he said, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you to rejoice I'm going to tell you again to rejoice. He said, you need to choose joy over and over and over again. Every single time you feel joy start to going, go ahead and choose joy again because you're going to need that. Uh, joy is a choice that we make. Uh, joy is the choice to praise God no matter what we're going through. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'm going to read this in the message just because it's so good. Um, verse 11, it says, this commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. So maybe you're thinking, well, this is too hard, or I'm just a serious type of person, or, man, I've been fighting this sadness and depression for so long. I'm telling you, you can do this. This is something we can do because God tells us we can do it. He says, it's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. And it's not across the ocean. So this joy we're talking about is not some distant, unattainable thing. It's right here. It's very near to us. We can access this anytime we want it. He says, you don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it before you can live it. No, the word is right here and now. So this word, word from God is for you today. It's right here. It's right now. It's here, and this is available for you right now. It has the power to start changing your life right now if you'll let it. If you'll start pulling your attention off of those things and start putting it on God, that joy will start to come in right now. 
says, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, just do it. Look at what I've done for you. So God's given us a choice. He's saying we get to choose where we go from here. It's up to us which direction we're going to go. We get to choose joy or not joy. He said, I've placed it in front of you, life and, life and good, death and evil, and I command you today, love God, your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so that you'll live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, and the land you're about to enter and possess. I mean, that's, that, that's enough right there to get Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh excited. I mean, that'd fill him with joy right there, knowing what's available to us. But remember, joy isn't something we choose one time and that's it. Remember, it's something we have to choose over and over and over again because most of us, or maybe this is just me, I'm faced with situations every single day that have the potential to rob me of my joy. And I have to choose whether or not I'm going to let them do that. It's a choice we have to make. It has to be a continuous choice. Otherwise, it says, but I warn you, if you have a change of heart, if you refuse to listen obediently and willfully go off to serve and worship other gods, you'll most certainly die. So when we don't choose life, um, when we don't choose life and we don't choose joy, life just starts to feel like it's dying. And I've been in those situations where life just felt like it was dying on the inside of me. I lost my focus and things got overwhelming. Um, but I can, I can speak from experience that choosing joy in the middle of those moments will bring you out of those moments way quicker than when you're not focused on what God has for you. You know, it actually help you get through those moments quicker. It goes on to say, you won't last long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. So that means you'll keep falling in that same mess over and over again. If you're not choosing joy, if you're not focused on God, you'll just keep falling in that same mess that's robbing you of your joy, that same sadness, that same depression. Uh, man, you were made for so much more than that. God doesn't want you to stay there and live there. He, you were made for more than that. You were made to live a life filled and empowered with the joy of the Lord. God wants you to have that. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse, Choose life so that you and your children will live. So when you make the decision to choose joy, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you too. It affects your kids too. It's so important that we're making, taking these steps to choose joy. Uh, so for the rest of the service today, I want to talk about three ways um, that we can choose joy in our lives from the life and example of Paul. Uh, Paul was somebody who had a lot of reasons uh, to not choose joy. He had a lot of reasons where he could have focused on certain things that would have not automatically about joy into his life because of what they were. He endured um, some really horrible stuff in pursuit of God's plan for his life. I mean, he actually listed out about the times he was beaten and the shipwrecks and everything he went through. He went so, through some really awful stuff physically. Um, we, have some, we, you know, we have some of his really bad days recorded in Scripture, and yet he continuously talks about joy. It's really interesting that he, he has all these bad things that happen to him, and yet he talks about joy over and over and over and again. Uh, one of those instances is actually in the book of Philippians. Um, Paul writes the letter of Philippians. It was a letter originally back in those days. Um, while he's in prison, um, essentially waiting to be executed. That's, that's his future, is to be executed. Um, he had gone there to preach about Jesus, but had actually been arrested for preaching about Jesus. Talk about, hey, here, you know, God, here I am pursuing your plan, and I get arrested for doing your plan. You know, but how many people would that shake up if that happened to him? But even while he's in prison, he receives letters. He, you know, he's in prison dealing with his own mess, and then people start writing him letters about all the mess happening in the church. He starts hearing about people gossiping about other ministries and all this mess going on everywhere. You know, I don't know about you. I'd be thinking, I got my own, I'm in prison right now. You know, they're scheduled to execute me. I got my own mess right now. Tell me good things. Don't tell me all the mess that's happening out there too. But, but Paul just takes all this in. They're focusing on everything going wrong in the world, but Paul chooses to focus on the fact that God has a plan and good things are happening. He chooses to focus on joy despite his circumstances. So following Paul's example, we need to choose to look beyond what happened. 
We have to choose to look beyond what happened. For too many people, um, we're not looking beyond what happened. Instead, we're like, we're like a pig in slop. You ever heard that phrase before? That's a good country phrase. We're, we're basically wallowing around in what happened. We're basically stuck in what happened. We're just rolling around in it, and we're allowing it to affect us. We're just sitting in the mess, and we're refusing to leave it. That's the condition a lot of people in. Um, we're sitting there. We're thinking about our bad day, and we're just replaying it over and over and over and over again in our heads to where it's all we can focus on. Uh, we're allowing what happened to us way back there to shape our identity now. And God has better for us than that. He doesn't want us to live there. Instead of doing that, we need to look beyond what happened. Why? Um, because what happened, happened. It happened. I'm not, I'm not saying it didn't happen. What happened, happened. And I'm not saying it wasn't important. I'm not saying it wasn't something that was a really awful thing. But it happened. What I'm saying is that the more you sit around and think about that, the more that thing is going to affect the rest of your life. And God said, I want you free from that. I want you to focus on what I have for you and be free from that. Paul said, I know I got locked up for trying to preach, but in Philippians 1.12, he says, I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered, but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. So Paul's saying, instead of focusing on the fact that I'm locked up and in prison right now, he's saying that because I've, because I've been pursuing God, even in here, he said, I see this as an opportunity to preach the gospel. You know, think about that, being in prison and thinking about this is my, an opportunity that I'm in prison right now. That, that was Paul's mindset. That's how focused he was. Not only was he ministering to the people around him, you know, he was ministering to the guards, he was ministering to the other inmates, he was in there ministering, but he was writing these Holy Spirit-inspired letters that became most of what our New Testament is now. He was writing these letters that are part of our New Testament now. So all of us right here are still benefiting from Paul in prison saying, I'm going to look at this as an opportunity right now. We're still reaping the benefit from that. His ability to impact people actually increased while he was in prison, which would most of us would look at that as a time where we're getting held back. Paul said, my, my impact's going to increase while I'm here because I'm going to choose to focus on what God has for me right here. Along those same, uh, same lines, uh, Paul made the decision, number two, to choose to find the new opportunities. So not only did he get some writing done, but like I said, he was focused on getting his guard saved, saved too. In Philippians 1.13, he continues, he says, For now the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I'm here because of my love for the anointed one. So he said, they plainly recognize while I'm here, they can see it in everything I say and everything I do, that I'm here because of Jesus. I'm here for Jesus. And it says, and what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. And talk about turning lemons into lemonade. He just decided um, that there's going to be something that God can do in the middle of all this. In the middle of what would probably be one of his worst situations he had been in, he was determined that God's going to do something in and through me, even in the middle of this situation. This is what people of God should be marked by. Like when people see us go through difficult situations, they should see us so focused on God's plan and purpose in our lives that it's almost like it doesn't even phase us, that we maintain that joy no matter what we're going through. And um, we should be marked by joy in the middle of every circumstance we face because God's, God has that for us. Uh, we're going to see that Paul didn't care about the drama they were trying to throw at him too because they were trying to put this drama on him about the gossip happening in the church. And in fact, he shuts, it, he, he shuts it down real quick. Um, as people of God, when people start bringing drama into our lives, um, it's time that we stop entertaining those things and that we just shut it down real quick. God wants us to shut those things down. Instead of sharing what you heard, pray about it. Pray about it and let God start to work in this situation. That's how drama dies. Man, when we start to pray about it instead of just jumping right in and seeing how we can get involved in it. A lot of things don't matter nearly as much as you think they matter. 
I know that if you don't get anything, that's a really profound statement right there, but a lot of things don't matter nearly as much as you think they matter. So this thing that's consuming your life right now, take a step back and say, okay, in, in the big picture of life, how much does this thing really matter right now? I'm best guessing it probably doesn't matter as much as you think it matters in that moment there. So, so I've started evaluating things that way. And because of that, uh, Paul made the decision to number three. He chose to focus on what really matters. He chose to focus on what really matters. In Philippians 1 and verse 15, he says, It's true there are some who preach Christ out of competition and controversy, for they're jealous over the way God has used me. So he's saying, I'm, I'm not oblivious to the things that people are saying. I know what people are saying. I know that. He said, I'm just choosing not to focus on those things. I know what they're saying. I'm just not going to get it sucked into that. He's aware of what people are doing and saying, but he's not going to allow those things to steal his focus because he was so passionate in pursuing what God had for him. He goes on to say, many others have purer motives. They preach with grace and love filling their hearts because they know I've been destined for the purpose of defending the revelation of God. Those who preach Christ with ambition and competition are insincere. They just want to add to the hardships of my imprisonment. So he acknowledges that people are out there and he acknowledges that, that there's people who are focusing on the wrong things. Then he goes on in verse 18. He says, yet in spite of all of this, he said, I'm overjoyed. So in spite of what they're doing, in spite of what other people are saying, because of people who are doing things with the wrong motives, he's saying, I'm overjoyed. I see all this, but I'm still filled with joy. Uh, for what does it matter as long as Christ is being preached? If they preach him with mixed motives or with genuine love, the message of Christ is still being preached, and I will continue to rejoice. He said, no matter what they're doing, I'm going to continue to rejoice because I know that God has a plan and a purpose for me. Not just a little joy. It actually says that he's overjoyed. That's like overflowing with joy, filled with joy. He's overflowing with joy. He was so focused on what God was doing that he didn't care about his own circumstances. And he also didn't care about the drama happening in the church around him. He said, I'm going to focus on what God has for me. He was just overflowing with joy because Jesus was getting preached. And that's how we should be too. So today, um, I want to encourage you guys to choose joy. That's the whole point of what I'm talking about today. I want you to choose joy. Um, no matter what life throws at you, choose joy. I don't care what it is. No matter what that person says, choose joy. Because people are going to say stuff, you just have to ignore it and go on. Uh, no matter how many times it doesn't work out the way that you were expecting, I encourage you to choose joy because that's just life. Stuff's going to come up we don't expect. But we can choose joy no matter what it is. Just allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength because He wants to strengthen you. He wants to empower you. Um, he, wants, he wants to be there right there with you and to empower you with that joy. It's near to you today. His joy is not some far off thing. It's not something that you're going to have to come to church for years and years to try to figure out how to get this joy. He's saying, hey, this is very near, near to you right now today and I want you to have this. This is what God has for us right now. So I just encourage you guys as we wrap up our Christmas series today to make that decision to choose joy because God wants you to have it. So you can't really choose joy until you know Jesus. That's, that's the first step in choosing joy. We, thought, we saw it all throughout the Christmas story that when people encountered Jesus, they encountered joy. Even when Jesus was still in the womb, even when Angel Gabriel was prophesying about Jesus coming, the moment that people encountered Jesus, they experienced the joy like they'd never experienced before. Um, so if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you've never accepted um, the incredible sacrifice that he made for you, um, that's the first step towards receiving the joy that he has for you. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment here. Um, we're just For just a moment, I want you to look at your heart. I want you to, to really focus on where you're at with God right now. And if you've never made that decision to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you've never said, Jesus, I'm so thankful for the sacrifice that you made for me. I want to receive that forgiveness of sins. If you've never made that decision, but you'd like to do that today, if you'd like to leave here filled with that amazing joy that God has for you, 
Um, if you'd raise your hand right now, I'd like to pray with you. And you can leave here knowing that you're saved, knowing that your destiny lies in heaven. You can leave here knowing that. So if you just raise your hand, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up here. Um, I just want to pray with you right where you're at right now. And I'm looking around the room just because I really don't want to miss anybody. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? God gets so excited. It actually says up in heaven that um, the angels and our loved ones up there have been there for us. They celebrate every single time that someone makes the decision to give their life to Jesus. That means for those of you who just raised your hand, there's literally a party um, happening in heaven right now because of that choice you just made right there. And that's so exciting. I'm looking around just one more time. I want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. All right, y'all keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just a moment longer. Um, maybe you've done that. Maybe you've started that relationship with Jesus, um, but you've just allowed something to steal your focus. You're not focused on him like you used to be. Uh, maybe it's sin. You know, maybe, maybe sin's gotten to be such a priority that you're focused on that more than you are him. Or maybe it's just because you haven't made God in that number one spot in your life and you're distracted by all the mess around you. Um, and God loves you so much. He loves you so much um, that he tells us in 1 John 1, 9 that he loves us so much that when we confess that sin to him, it says that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that when we come to him and say, God, I lost my focus. I've been messing up. It says that he forgives us and he restores us. He wipes our slate clean and gets us right back on track again. He puts us in that position to where we can receive that joy he has for us again. So if he could say, that's me, I know I'm a believer, but I've lost my focus and I'm ready to get things back on track this morning. I'm ready to get back on the path that God has for me. If you'd raise your hand for that, I'd like to pray with you for that too. And you can leave here forgiven, back on track and pursuing that joy that God has for you. And I see lots of hands popping up for that, man. They get excited in heaven about that too. This is a good day. I'm looking around because I don't want to miss anybody. Awesome. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to lead, lead everybody in a prayer. You can go and put your hands down. And we're just going to pray exactly what I just said. We're going to pray the word. We're going to basically put Jesus in that first position. We're going to make him the Lord and Savior of our life. And then we're just going to receive that joy he has for us. So out of respect to those praying, um, I'm going to ask that we all pray this together right now. So let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned, but I thank you that you're faithful to forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior, and because of that, I'm going to live my life focused on you, choosing the joy that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.